Monday night. You could be anywhere and you decided to come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm so glad to be with you. Well, the little ones have been coming up and they want to hear zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket again. So, I was thinking maybe that they would come up here with me and help me do this song. So if you're a little one you want to come help me, well, there's one. <laughs> All right. There we go. There you go. Now, does everybody remember all the motions? Do we need to go through them one more time, or are we good? One more time? Okay. All right. Here are the motions. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, watch the word you say, your tongue, it is a tattletale, and it gives your heart away. Then zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, count to ten, and pray. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. All right, I think they have it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words won't hurt, they say. I must confess I disagree. I'll tell you why today. School, a friend of mine was sad. I asked him why. A bully called him ugly names and I saw my buddy cry. Here we go, you ready? Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Watch the words you say. Your tongue, it is a tattletale and it gives your heart away. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Count to ten and pray. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. Behind those ivory teeth, your tongue can cut just like a sword. Sometimes we hurt the ones we love and wound them with our words. Amazing how a thing so small can cause such hurt and pain. I now know why my Bible says the tongue no man can take. Here we go. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Watch the words you say. Your tongue, it is a tattletale and it gives your heart away. Very good. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Count to ten and pray. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. The Lord hears every word we say as we work and play. Keep your heart clean every day and read God's word and pray. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, watch the words you say. Your tongue, it is a tattletale and it gives your heart away. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, count to ten and pray. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. Give my helpers a big hand. Thank you all very much. You did very, very good. That was great. Well, I want to do one more song for the kids. This uh, We did Herman the Bullfrog last night, so I'm going to do the Flying Frog tonight, all right? And I named the song Felton because that's my daddy's middle name, and when you're one of the songwriters, you can do that and get away with it, right? Felton the Frog was known to complain. 
wasn't content with a stubby frame. Hated to hop and never satisfied, but he always wanted to fly. Then he spied two crows and hatched a plan. If y'all help me, I know I can. I've got a great idea if I can use your might. Sharing the joys of flight. Take a stick in your beaks and then you'll see as a bite on the middle you can carry me. Quick as a wink, they were in the air, flying high as a kite without a care. Then a fellow crow passing by, blinked at the sight that caught his eye. Flew alongside to see just why a flying frog could ever survive. What a great idea he was heard to say, I never saw a frog fly quite this way. Novel plan for any day, whose idea was this anyway? Now Felton's heart was filled with pride, saw his chance with a beady eye. He loudly proclaimed, it was I, promptly fell like a rock and died. Now the moral here is plain to see, the credit may go to you or me. Means so little you will agree, when seeking the glory we cease to be. Two crows and a frog, what a sight to see Like the Wright brothers going down in history If he'd only kept his mouth shut tight He'd still be bragging about his first flight But the Bible says that the pride go up before destruction And a haughty spirit before a fall Amen? Amen Alright Oh, you're very kind I uh, want to tell you a story Every now and then, my brother Sammy and I get to go to churches, and we get to sing and preach together, and uh, we always enjoy that. He's the associate pastor at our church back home, and so he doesn't travel as much as I do, but he does get out here and there. And uh, we were doing a service together at a place in North Carolina up in the mountains, and when we got there, we got to the church a little early. Uh, the pastor told us to meet him there at a certain time, and you know we tried to gauge it to meet him there at that time. But again, we got there early, and so the church was locked. So we started walking around, looking at the building, looking. They were they had just built a new playground and stuff. And when we walked around the back of the church, there was a hill behind the church, and there were two trailers up there. You could barely see through the woods, but we heard some of the loudest screaming and cursing we'd ever heard in our life. And it was coming from the mouth of a woman. And I looked at my brother and he looked at me and he said, sounds like ministry time. I said, I think so. So we went up to the first trailer, knocked on the door, and a young man came to the door and said, look, we're two brothers. We're going to be singing and preaching down at this church tomorrow. We'd love for you to come. Shared the gospel with him. He didn't get saved, but he was very kind to listen. And after we got through sharing with him everything we thought God wanted us to, we said, look, we heard somebody screaming and yelling and cussing up here. and We thought maybe we could help. And he went, oh, he said, that's my sister. And she lives in that trailer up there. He said, you don't want to go up there, man. Stay away from that place. And we said, okay. And we went right up there to the next trailer. Knocked on the door. And a young man came to the door, and this is what he said. This is not a good time. We said, well, we kind of figured that. But look, we're two brothers. We're going to be singing and preaching at this church down the hill. We'd love for you to come. Gave him a gospel track to read. And he took it, but that was as far as we got. And as we were walking off the steps, I looked down in the window there, and there were three little faces waving at me and smiling. And right there in the shadow of the steeple, people were hurting and needing Jesus Christ. And my brother, this got all over him, so he wrote this song. Mm-hmm. 
called In the Shadow of the Steeple. The next day, after the morning service was over, Sammy came by and got a children's CD and some stuff. And he said, Bruce, pray for me. I'm going to go knock on that door again. And I said, well, you want me to go with you, brother? And he said, no. He said, I think God wants me to go by myself. So he went up there, knocked on the door. They invited him in. He was able to share the gospel with them, give the kids some gifts and stuff. But this is the song that came out of all of that. Hearing voices all around us Full of anger and of hurt Broken dreams and wounded hearts Smiling faces hide the pain Trying hard to just pretend With hidden scars and secret hurts In the shadow of the steeple Kids are crying Troubled homes broken families so much sorrow and such great need in the shadow of the steeple hear the voices of confusion so lonely and so lost storms have come torn and tossed Many hide to cover shame And on others place the blame Missing peace and guilt to cost Who can heal the brokenhearted Offer hope and brighter days Who can wash away their sin Answer prayer at their wit's end In the shadow of the steeple, kids are crying. In troubled homes and broken families. So much sorrow and such great need. In the shadow of Lord, please give us eyes to see In the shadow of the steeple My brother and I just came out with a brand new CD and uh, one of the songs on there is called A Man After God's Own Heart. I had this idea for this song for about three years, and I wrote the song, and I went to my brother's office, and I I said, Sammy, I've written a new song. I want to share it with you, because a lot of times he helps me if the words aren't right and things like that, and he's a very good songwriter, and uh, when I sang it to him, he went, I've heard that before. I said, don't say that. (laughs) You know, there's no new thing under the sun, you know, but what I had done unconsciously as I had written new words, but I put them to music to another song that I'd written years ago called The Cross. And so I said, oh my goodness. Well, I I couldn't get that out of my head. And so I said, Sammy, just take the words and put some new music to it. And so this is what we came up with. This is called A Man After God's Own Heart. 
One day upon my knees I saw the man I'd come to be My heart was broken Tears that filled my eyes I trusted and believed In the Christ who died for me Now I'm not the man I used to be A man after God's own heart by His grace I will do my part And live by faith A man after God's own heart The Word of God I read As I follow where He leads By faith to run the race He has for me I long to see His face and to please Him every day My hope and prayer that others they will see A man after God's own heart By His grace I will do my part And live by faith A man after God's own heart Stand amazed as I remember The price He paid on Calvary And my prayer each day Is that I will always be A man after God's own heart By His grace I will do my part and live by faith A man after God's own heart And live by faith A man after God's own heart Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on a Monday night. You could be doing a lot of different things, but what a wonderful thing it is to be in the house of God. So I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight, if you will, please, to 2 Chronicles and chapter 7. 2 Chronicles and chapter 7. Get my stuff going here. Trying to learn how to be a high-tech redneck and use my iPad. Sometimes it's hard for me because I'm used to just having it all down on paper and stuff. But I didn't bring this message with me on paper. And I said, man, I hope it's on my iPad because I believe this is what God would have me to preach tonight. And we're talking about revival. And as I said last night, only God can bring revival. I want to read something I found on the Internet to you, and this is what it said. It said, if all the sleeping folks would wake up, and all the angry would make up, and all the dishonest would fess up, and all the lukewarm would fire up, and all the disgruntled would cheer up, and all the depressed would look up, and all the soldiers would stand up, and all the gossipers would shut up, then we might have revival. <laughs> <All right? laughs> so before revival, you need to speak to God in prayer. I hope you prayed before you came. And then during the revival... I hope that God will speak to you and speak to your heart. And then afterwards, when we leave, I hope that we'll go out and speak to others about God. Um, 
who was it I was trying to think of? Oh, it was uh, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody made this statement, Behind every great movement of God is a kneeling figure. Before I came here, I got on my knees and asked God to help me tonight because I can't do this by myself. I remember um, the very first time that I ever shared my testimony was in Sunday school at the first church that God led me to in Nashville, Tennessee. And when my pastor asked me to do that, and I said, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. That'll be great. And I'm thinking, you know, I've sung in front of thousands and thousands of people. This will be no big deal. But when I got behind that pulpit that day, my knees started knocking. I started shaking. And I realized I can't do this without his help. And right there standing in that Sunday school class, I begged God, God help me. And tonight I'm going to beg him to help me as well. But first I want to read this one passage of Scripture here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Our land needs healing, folks. Our country is going in the wrong direction, and it's going in the wrong direction pretty quick. But you know what? There's a God in heaven who wants to heal our land. And this is uh, the title for the message, if you will, tonight is a recipe for revival. Because in these verses of Scripture, God gave me a recipe for revival, and I want to share that with you tonight. So let's pray. Our Father God in heaven... Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight to come to your house to worship you. I thank you for this dear pastor and his wife and this body of believers that have been so kind to me since I've been here. And Lord, I pray that you will bless them for that. But Father, this is a new night and this is a new passage of Scripture. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit from my head to my feet and help me to say that which you would have me to say. And Lord, I pray for that one that may be in church tonight, but they're not in Christ. They've never been saved. They've never been born again. They know about you, but they don't know you personally. And I pray that they would not leave here tonight without making the decision to make you their Lord before it's eternally too late. And Father, again, I realize without you I can do nothing. So please help me tonight. And may this night change somebody's life and help my brothers and sisters in Christ as I share this recipe for revival. In Jesus' precious and holy and wonderful name I pray. Amen, amen. and amen. 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 So Billy Sunday was a great preacher back in the day and he was asked this question one time. Brother Billy, does revival really last? And this was his answer. Not really, but neither does a bath, but I like to have one every now and again. Amen? (laughs) I looked up the word revival in the dictionary, and it says, The act of reviving, restoring, resuscitating, renewing, refreshing, returning, to bring back to life. Vance Happner, an old preacher, said, A revival is the church remembering, the church repenting, and the church repeating. And the Bible here says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. So I want to go through here and show you what God showed me one day as I was studying this passage of Scripture. He says, if my people, which are called by my name. So God is talking to born again, believing Christians here. He's talking to us. People who have been saved by the grace of God. And so the first thing he tells us in this passage of Scripture, that he wants us to be holy. Will you say that with me? Be holy. God wants us to live a holy life. Now, it's not like a monk where you just walk around holy, holy, and humming and singing all the time. No, God wants us to live a holy life. And he's speaking to his people, born-again believers. And you can't revive what ain't alive. I know that's not good English, but that's just the truth, right? You must be born again. You must be saved. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And that word quickened has been made alive. 1 Peter 1.15 and 16 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And that's not a suggestion in the Word of God. That is a command to His children to live holy lives. God says, Be holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, when you become a child of God, you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to Him. These eyes, these ears, this talent, it's not for me. It's for me to use to point people to Him. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when we talk about the church, it's not a building. People who are born again and who are saved, we are the church. And we are the body of Christ. And Christ lives inside of us and He wants us to live a holy, holy life. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24 says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So number one, God says, be holy. And then as we continue to read this passage of Scripture, it says, shall humble themselves. So number one, God says, be holy. Number two, He says, be humble. You know, it's hard for some people to be humble. They're so full of themselves. That's the way I was before I got saved. I was so full of myself. My head was so big, it would have been hard for me to come through those double doors. I was just, I was just full of pride. But God humbled me, and I'm glad that He did. Uh, I sang this last night. Oh, it's hard to be humble, be perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Coles get better looking each day. There's nothing humble about that. Now, maybe you, before you came to church, walked into the mirror and went, I ain't messing with that. That looks good. <laughs> that wasn't me. I had to fix a few things before I came. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> there was a, a man by the name of Muhammad Ali. Anybody remember that name? Muhammad Ali was on an airplane one time, and they started having a little turbulence. And so the pilot came over the microphone and said, I want everybody to sit down and put your seatbelt on. So the stewardess was walking through the airplane, making sure everybody did what the pilot said. 
And she noticed that Muhammad Ali did not put his seatbelt on. And she looked down at him and she said, Sir, you need to put your seatbelt on. And he looked up at her in his prideful way and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And he, she looked down at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane neither. <laughs> God says He wants us to be humble. To be humble. Proverbs 16, 18 that I sang in the song, The Flying Frog, just a minute ago. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4, 6 says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. James 4, 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Proverbs 15, 25, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Proverbs 15, 33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Philippians 2, 8, And being found in fashion as a man, talking about Christ, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, there's a hate list that God has in Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Seven things that God hates. And the very first one is a proud look. God hates a proud look. Now, you can go in some of the Christian stores to buy music CDs and stuff. And a lot of times, if you look at some of the covers of the CDs, this is what you see. A proud look. I can't, I can't get past the picture to want to hear what they have to sing because I know that God hates a proud look. And I want to love what God loves and I want to hate what God hates. And God hates the sin of pride. He kicked the most beautiful angel, Lucifer, out of heaven because of pride. I've imagined in my mind that scene. Lucifer, God created him to be the choir leader in heaven. He was a walking talking musical being. The Bible says in the book of uh, Ezekiel that the pipes were, or Isaiah, the pipes were in him. He was a walking, talking musical instrument. And I'm sure, you know, the, the streets are gold, the walls are of jasper, and I imagine Lucifer seeing himself and going, oh man, I am good looking. Mm, man, I'm good looking. And boy, can I sing. You know, you have to be careful if God gives you a talent to sing or play an instrument, you be careful because it can breed pride. It did in his life. And of course, five times he said, I'll do this, I'll do that. And God said, no, you won't. And he kicked him out of heaven. And Lucifer now is called Satan. He was a beautiful creature that God created, but he sinned against God, the sin of pride. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, Walk humbly with thy God. Isaiah 57, 15, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In Matthew chapter 18, when the children were trying to come to Jesus, this is what happened. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as, a little, as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In Psalm 9:12, He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. So number one, God says, Be holy. Number two, God says, Be humble. And then the Bible says, And pray and seek my face. So number three, 
God says, be hungry. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you love the Word of God? I remember when I first got saved, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and the church I was going to was in Franklin, Tennessee, about 30 minutes away. And uh, I'm sitting on the front row. I've got my pen and paper out because I am so hungry. I wanted to know what this book said. And I, I had my note, you know, was making my notes. The pastor was preaching. And I remember he said this that day. He said, well, you, you know the rest of the story. And then he went on with the message. And after the service was over, I went up to my pastor. And I said, pastor, these other people may know the rest of the story. But I don't. I'm brand new at this. And I said, please don't leave anything out. I want to hear it all. And he said, Bruce, I didn't think about that. He said, I am so sorry. And so he tried to help me with that. And I thank God for the first preacher that God gave me because he discipled me in the Word of God. And he is a great man of God. And I love him dearly. And so God says, be uh, holy, be humble, and be hungry. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah 55.6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29.3, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. I encourage young people as I go across the country singing and preaching to memorize the word of God. Because I'm telling you, the more the word of God you get in you, the more Christ-like you become. And it's a wonderful thing to have a young mind like you, some of you young people have because you can memorize Scripture very quickly. I remember my son when he was five and six years old. I was amazed at how quick he can memorize Scripture. Now, I'm, I'm a little older now, and uh, it doesn't give me an excuse, but sometimes I memorize verses and I have to go back and, and go back over them again because uh, you know my mind just doesn't work and compute like it used to. Um, Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. I want to give you three S's here, and I'll show you, tell you how this happened. Now, when I first got saved, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and then I moved back to North Carolina, started going to my brother's church, and there was a man there that went to the prisons on Thursday night, and he asked me one day, he said, Bruce, would you like to go to the prison with me? And I said, yeah, man, I should be in hell or jail, one or the other. I said, yeah, I'd love to go tell, him, tell these guys about Christ. And so I started going doing the jail ministry with him. And I found out something. Uh, a lot of those people that are in jail think that they're saved, but they're not really saved. And that's the same thing with people that come to church. Some people think they're saved, but they're not saved. And I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I went to, uh, <clears throat> and this, <laughs> you have to think about it. You know, I'm not a big guy. I'm just a little fella. But I had prayed. I said, God, when I get out there on that yard with all those prisoners, and I'm, you're supposed to call them inmates. You're not supposed to call them prisoners anymore. Um, and so I said, when I get out there, I said, God, I want you to lead me to the biggest, meanest, ugliest one out there, and I want to share the love of Christ with you. And they gave you a little basket, 
Now you can imagine, here I am, 150 pounds, soaking wet, and got my little basket. I've got handkerchiefs in there. I've got some candy. I've got some gospel tracts and things. And I walk out and on the yard that day, and I looked over, and I saw this guy lifting weights over there, and he looked like the Hulk. He wasn't green, and he looked like he had a T-shirt on, but he didn't have a T-shirt on, but he was tattooed from here to there, man. And when I saw that big old monster of a man, I went, God, that's not the guy I was praying about. <laughs> not, not him, Lord, but I had prayed, God had delivered. So I made a beeline to him, and I shared, tried to share, do my best to share Christ with him. And I found out something about those guys that, that I would ask them. I'd say, hey, have you ever been born again? Have you ever been saved? And this is what their answer would be. Oh, yeah, I did that a long time ago. And, you know, I'm just backslidden, got in trouble. That's why I'm in jail right now. And, you know... You do the crime, you got to do the time. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, look, we're having a service tonight at 7 o'clock. So I'd love for you to come. I hope you'll come. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll come. I'll be there. And so all these guys, many of them, told me the very same thing. Yeah, I'm saved, but I'm backslidden. And when I got to the service that night, because I'm telling you, I'm a young baby Christian. I've got blinders on. You tell me you're saved, I believe you. I was that naive. And that night I looked around and I said, God, they lied to me. You imagine people lying to you in jail. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I got to do something different. These guys are, they're telling me they're saved. Because I'm thinking, if you're saved, you're going to come to church. That's a no-brainer for me. Why would you not come and worship your king if you know him as your savior? And so the next day, the first guy I talked to, I asked him the same question. I said, have you ever been born again? You ever been saved? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I got saved when I was a kid, and I'm backslidden, got in trouble, and that's why I'm here. And I said, okay. I said, well, that means that you're my brother in Christ, right? He said, yeah, I guess it does. I said, can I challenge you from the Word of God today? He said, go right ahead. I said, okay. I said, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I said, but you have a lot of time on your hands, don't you? And he went, oh, yeah, time, I got a lot up. And I said, with that time... And I used three S's. I said, with that time, do you study the Word of God? And he dropped his head and he said, no, sir, I don't do that. And I said, well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shoe thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And that passage of Scripture is not a suggestion to study the Word of God. It's a command from God. And then I asked him the second question. I said, look, I already know the answer to the second question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you're not studying the Word of God, are you storing the Word of God? Are you memorizing Scripture? He said, no, sir, I'm not doing that either. And I said, well, Psalm 119, 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And you can't get God's Word in your heart until you get it in your head. See, I have a lot of God's Word that's in my head, but what's in my heart, whew, comes right out of my mouth. I said, well, you're not studying the Word of God. You're not storing the Word of God. You tell me you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. Are you sharing your faith with these other men in here so they don't have to die and go to hell? He said, I'm not doing that either. I said, well, Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And again, that's a command from God. God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor God doesn't call everybody to be an evangelist, but God calls every born-again believer to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a command. I said, look, 
I said, there's a lot of commands in the Bible, things that God tells us to do, things He tells us not to do. I said, there's just three things you're not doing. You're not studying, you're not storing, and you're not sharing. I said, let me ask you a question, young man. I said, do you love Jesus Christ? He said, yes, I love Jesus with all my heart. I said, well, he said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I said, the way we show Christ that we love him is we do what he tells us to do. Be not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. That's what the Bible says in the book of James. And so I said, look, I said, I'm not trying to get in your business. I said, but God has given me evangelistic heart. And I said, you tell me you're saved, but by your actions, it seems like maybe you're not saved. Mark 15, 8 says, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So I asked him this question. I said, buddy, do you feel like you're a good person, basically? He said, oh, yeah, I know I'm a good person. Very prideful. I said, okay. I said, do you feel like you have a good heart? He said, I know I have a good heart. I'd give you the shirt off my back. And I said, well, I don't want your shirt. I said, but I'm going to show you what God says about you being good and about your heart from the Word of God. And I opened up the Bible to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And like I said yesterday in my testimony, that doesn't mean you can't be nice to people and do good things. It means your goodness will never get you to God. See, that's pride. If you think you can do something to get to God, besides trusting His Son as your Savior, you've got pride in your heart. Because you think there's another way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but through me. And so I showed him those scriptures. And then I turned my Bible to Jeremiah 17, 9. And I had him read this verse out loud. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says your heart's so wicked you can't even know your own heart. And when he read that verse out loud, he went, <gasps> I didn't know I had a wicked heart. I said, yes, sir. That's why you need to invite Jesus into your heart so He can give you a brand new heart. And He can cleanse you from the inside out. And I said, well, let's see how good you are. I said, has anybody ever given you a good test? He said, no. I said, okay. I said, have you ever told a lie before? He said, sure I have. Everybody lies. I said, oh, yeah. I said, what do you call people that tell lies? He said, a liar. I said, have you ever stolen anything that didn't belong to you? And he said, that's one of the reasons I'm here. He said, yeah, I've done that. I said, what do you call people who steal things? He said, a thief. I said, have you ever looked on a woman with lust in your heart? He said, oh, yeah, I've done that. And I said, well, Jesus said, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you committed adultery in your heart because sin comes from the heart. Even without doing the act, you've committed the sin in your heart. I said, you just told me that you're a liar, you're a thief, and you're an adulterer. You've broken the laws of God, haven't you? He said, yes, I have. I said, okay. If you stood before God right now, having broken His laws, would you be innocent or guilty? He dropped his head and he said, guilty. I said, that's right. We're all guilty. We've all broken God's laws. We've all lied. The Bible says, let all men be liars and God be true. And I said, look, 
I said, you tell me you're saved. But as I'm going through the scripture here and showing you this thing, I want to ask you again. Are you born again? Are you saved? And he said, after you challenging me from the Bible, he said, I'm not sure if I am or not. And I was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, showing him it's not about what he did to get to heaven, but it's about what Jesus did on the cross. You have a book on your shelf back there. A friend of mine wrote that book. It said, Do. Well, the title of the book is Done. And in there he says, he makes this statement. There's only two religions in the whole wide world. Do or done. You either try to do something to win God's favor or realize there's nothing you can do. Bow your head and heart and put your trust and faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, I got here because I did this, I did that. The only way you're going to get to heaven is because one day you repented of your sins and you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You know, I learned a lot when I was in prison. And thank God I could leave when it was time to go. I didn't have to stay there. Because back in my old life, there was a time when I got incarcerated. Me and some friends of mine late one night broke into a milk truck, stole eggs and milk and a bunch of stuff like that, thinking nobody would catch us. We got caught. And I'll never forget, there were five of us. And we were all in one little cell together. And one by one, my friends' moms and dads came and got them. I'd left home. I'd been away from home for a long time. And my friend said, are you going to call your mom and dad? And I said, no, man. I hadn't even talked to them in a few years. I, I said, I'm not going to call them. And I remember... It was only me and another guy. The other guy that was in there with me, he was from California, so he didn't have anybody to get him out either. But one of my friends, mothers, she just loved me to death, and she came and got me out. I'll never forget when I got out, I called my mom on the phone because I wanted to tell her what had happened before she read it in the papers or somebody else told her. And I'll be honest with you, when I called her on the phone, I figured, well, I'm already out of the family. I hadn't been home in a long time, and she would probably disown me now. But I'll never forget over the telephone. And I said, Mom, I got in trouble. I just wanted you to know before somebody else told you. I said, I'm sorry, Mom. And she just shuddered over the phone. And she said, Bruce, how can I help you? There's nothing like a mother's love. And that's the heart of Jesus. He loves you. And he wants to help you. Just like these guys that I was trying to lead to Christ here. But they had so much pride in their heart. I had, I had to break through that to get them to see that they needed to humble themselves before God. Be holy. Be humble. Be hungry. Are you hungry for the Word of God? And then the Bible says, and turn from their wicked ways. So the next point is be honest. You know, it's hard for people to be honest in this day and time that we live in. You'll come to church. People say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And you're not doing great at all. You just lied to them. Because you won't talk about it. People have a hard time being honest. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 12, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. Romans 12, 17, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly. 2 Corinthians 8.21 
providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Psalm 119, 163, God says, I hate and abhor lying. 2 Corinthians 4, 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are abomination to the Lord, and they that deal truly are his delight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. You need to get honest with God tonight. If you're going to have revival in your heart, you're going to have to get honest with God tonight. Let me ask you this question. When you sin, do you get honest with God and say, God, I just sinned and confess your sin? Or you just let it pass, just go all day long, and then maybe at night, well, God, if I sin today, I'm sorry. That's not the Christian life. You can't live a holy life like that. The moment you sin, God wants you to confess it right then. Get it, deal with it. Just deal with it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and he tried to cover it for quite some time. And he was a miserable Christian. But he got right with God in Psalm 51. Starting in verse 4, it says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He was getting honest about his sin. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So do you confess your sin to God? Let me ask you this. Do you cry over your sin? Does it bother you when you sin? I remember the first time after I got saved... Now, I had a filthy mouth before I got saved. I tell people when I got saved, I lost half of my vocabulary just like that. And then one time I was working in Cleveland, Tennessee. Now, Nashville, Tennessee is on Central Time. Cleveland, Tennessee is on uh, Eastern Time, an hour difference. And I went and woke up my crew an hour early. And they weren't happy about that. And I remember I went, oh, and a curse word slipped out of my mouth. And I started crying. And I've been trying to witness to my crew, trying to live a holy life in front of them, trying to be a, you know, a, a good follower of Christ so people would know that I love God. And one of those guys that was on my crew, he said, what are you crying about? I said, that's the first curse word I've said since I've been saved. He said, oh, that wasn't that bad. I said, well, it's bad to me. I, said, I don't want to talk like that anymore. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I want to be better than that. I want to make you look good, God. And it just bothered me so much. Do you cry over your sin? Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, For that which I do I allow not, and for what we would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. For I know that in, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. You know, that's an encouragement to me that the Apostle Paul struggle in his Christian life. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Are you with me on that? It's the same with all of us, isn't it? The Christian life is a hard life sometimes because you're, you're trying to live right and the world's pressing you this way, trying to get you to do wrong all the time. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. So do you confess your sin? Do you cry over your sin? Or do you just cover your sin like David did? 
Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. J. Vernon McGee said this, There's a band-aid of silence wrapped over the cancer of sin. In Psalm 32, David was talking again in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. He got honest with God about his sin. In Numbers 32, 23, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So God says, be holy, be humble, be hungry, be honest. And then the last part of this verse says, if you'll do these things, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Be holy, be humble, be hungry, be honest, be healed. God wants to heal our hearts. God wants to heal our country. But you know what? We need to do what God tells us to do. And we need to get serious about this thing called sin. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. Isaiah 53, 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions, talking about Christ. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Here in closing... I want to share just a few. I mean, I could stay here all night and share these, but just a few verses I want to share with you. Some if and then verses. In Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, liftest up thy voice for understanding, if... Thou seekest her as silver, searchest for her as for hid treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Psalm 51, again, where David confessed his sin to God after his uh, deal with Bathsheba there. He said this in Psalm 51, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't lose his salvation. He lost his joy. And if you're a Christian here tonight and you've got sin in your heart and your life and you hadn't confessed it, you're not going to have any joy. And you're not going to be able to lead anybody else to Christ until you get things right with God. Because in the next verse he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He knew that if he didn't get right with God, he wasn't going to be a good witness for God. You can't live in sin and then ask other people to come out of sin. You need to live better than that for sure. 
In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And John 8, 31 says, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples in thee. Revival is not going to happen in the White House, in the schoolhouse, or in the courthouse. The revival is going to start right here in God's house and in the hearts of God's children. And again, he's not talking to the lost here. He's talking to the saved. He's talking to the church house. Be holy. Be humble. Be hungry. Be honest so we can be healed. You want to have revival? You need to get honest with God. If there's anything between you and your Savior tonight, You're not going to have revival until you get that right. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? You know, a lot of people say that they love God, but they don't don't live like they love God. And if you would look at their life, you would say, well, they say they know God, but they don't study the Word of God. They don't store it. They don't share it. They have no interest in that. I want to tell you a story. There was a little boy. He was a homeless little boy. It was snowing. It was in a big city. Not sure what city. But he was standing outside of a bakery shop with his face pressed against the glass. He was starving to death. Snow was coming down and he was barefooted. Didn't have very many clothes on at all. And the guy in the bakery saw him, but he didn't help that little boy. Across the street, there was a clothing store. That man saw that little boy too, but he didn't do anything either. But praise the Lord, this lady came walking up and saw the plight of this young man. Grabbed him by the hand. Took him to the clothing store. Bought him some socks, some shoes, and a jacket so he could be warm. Got him thawed out. And then she took him next door and went to the bakery shop. She said, son, anything you want, you get it. Gave him a big bag. He started stuffing food in that bag, stuffing food in his mouth. He was having a time. And she said, well, she said, let's go see if we can find you somewhere to sleep tonight where you'll be out of the cold. And on the way out the door, that little boy looked up at that lady And he said this, Are you God's wife? She said, No, son. I'm just one of his children. He said, Well, I knew you must be kin to him somehow. And you know, you can say you're a Christian all you want to. But if you're not living a Christ-like life, being holy, being humble, being hungry, being honest, you're not going to be healed. I'll just ask this simple question tonight. During this message tonight, if God spoke to your heart as a child of God, would you raise your hand?
Say, Bruce, tonight God spoke to me. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Father, thank you for speaking to the hearts of your children. Now I want to ask this question, and I'll ask it every night. If you were to die right where you're sitting, are you sure you're going to heaven? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you died right now, that heaven would be your home? Have you ever repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior? If you would say, Bruce, if I died right this second, I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven or not. Would you get honest with me and honest with God tonight? I won't point you out. I won't call your name. Many of you, I don't know your names. But I would love to pray for you tonight. You say, Bruce, pray for me, because if I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody I can pray for? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Bruce, pray for me. I know I tell people I'm a Christian, but God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else before I pray for these? Bruce, if I died, I'm not sure that I'm a child of the King. And I surely don't want to go to hell if I die. Please pray for me. Anybody else at all? Father God in heaven, you've seen these hands that were raised. And again, you see the heart behind the hand. And Father, I pray that you'd give them the courage to come tonight during this invitation time. And let us open the Bible and show them how they can know without a shadow of a doubt that they'll be saved, born again on their way to heaven. And Lord, I pray for that one who is not living like they should. They're not living a holy life. They're not living a hungry life or an honest life. And Lord, they're not living in a way that would be pleasing to you. I pray that you would convict them and draw them to yourself, that they would come to you and get things right. Help us all tonight to get honest. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Would you stand?